Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, June 27th. If you want to enjoy life, take yourself less seriously. That's it. That's all he says. If you want to enjoy life, take yourself less seriously. Oh my, there's so much though behind that. How do we take ourselves less seriously? I, I of course, as you, those of you who know, who've listened to more than one of these, probably know that part of my life view includes the fact of reincarnation. Reincarnation in a very classical, very sensible Sanatan Dharma way. Sanatan Dharma is the ancient tradition of India in which all of these teachings are, are described and expressed. So when I think about life, if you want to enjoy life, I think of this incarnation that I'm living, which is completely absorbing to me, as only one of really, really, well, in the way Sanatana Dharma talks about it, hundreds of thousands of lives we've lived, millions of lives. I know many people interpret it differently, but Sanatana Dharma speaks in a very, very, very long rhythm. And I've been thinking a lot lately, just because it's just occurred to me for who knows what reason, how intensely real the incarnation I am in seems to me And I have no memory of past ones, and I have no prophetic vision of future ones. This is my reality. One of the strange features about time, which is of course intimately tied into the idea of reincarnation, is that it's always now. I know there's been a past, I know there will be a future, but when I'm in the future, it won't be the future. It'll be, it'll be now. And where I'm staying now, progressing through the recording of the different dates for this book, you know, there, there was a point when I wasn't recording June. I was recording a different month, and I knew someday I would be recording June. And it was in the future, but now that I'm doing it, it's not the future, it's the now, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, that's welcome to my brain. I mean, this is sort of the kinds of things that, that I wander around about at night when I can't sleep, just trying to sort of sort these things out. But that's why there is so much spiritual teaching and talking about living in the now, the tremendous importance of living in the now. When we live in the future, we are inattentive to what's happening in the moment and anticipate either pain or pleasure, but we're spending our time anticipating a reality that when we get to it, it's, it's the moment. And so it, if we don't live in the now, what happens is we're not actually present for a lot of our life. We're either drifting back in memory of what has already happened, either with regret or longing or just the pleasure of reminisce, or we're looking forward either with anxiety or happy anticipation. But in the process of splitting our attention, to past and future, we're not really paying attention to what is in the moment. 
And a lot of the times we go to the future because we think it's going to be better than the present. But the habit of not paying attention to what's right in front of us, not really living in our actual experience, but only living in our mind's idea of our past and future experience, well, you can see it just it, it, it vastly diminishes um, our experience. And that's why, as I was saying, so much of teaching is, spiritual teaching is live in the now. Because if we live in the now, what that means is we become wholly aware and we wholly participate in completely holy by I mean W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly, com- wholly, completely participate in our actual experience. And when we, we really try to be conscious in the moment, then everything is very different than it is when our mind is largely somewhere else. A woman friend I knew um, gave a class on um, proper diet. I'm not sure whether weight control was part of what she was teaching, but it might have been. A lot of what she was teaching was proper awareness, and she was using food as an example of our lack of awareness, although I think the whole program was about health and food and diet. But she was also using it as a matter of proper awareness. And as part of the awareness exercise, she gave everyone in the class five raisins. Now, raisins are really small. And she asked everyone, you know, to eat those five raisins and pay attention to eating them. She ate those raisins one at a time. And she ate each raisin, masticating it sufficiently, paying attention to the flavor of it. Other people just took all five raisins and just put them in their mouth, chewed them just a little and swallowed them and they were gone. And it was, you know, then they all had a discussion about five raisins. Like the hugely varied experience that people can have with five raisins depending on where their consciousness is, what they're paying attention to, you, to, what we're doing, what our goal is. Now, this sounds a little opposite to what Swami's writing here. If you want to enjoy life, take yourself less seriously. The other side of it is, it's like this is um, one chapter, this lifetime is one chapter in a very long book. Now, we, consciousness is eternal. This is another aspect of it. The, the definition of God, the most perfect definition of God that I know is from the Sanskrit, and it's Sat Chid Ananda, ever existing, ever conscious, ever new bliss. And all of us are an expression of Sat Chid Ananda, which means we will always exist, we will always be self-aware, and when we become completely self-aware, we will understand that the nature of life is joy. Now, it sort of doesn't feel like that a lot of the time. Sometimes it's either somewhere between drudgery and tragedy, with inter- interspersed with pleasure, and on occasion, truly joyful experiences. But it's always just this up and down, alternating sort of cycle. That's duality. You know, we really we can really love what we're doing, and then we become exhausted, and the pleasure in it becomes fatigued. Children are so incredible that way. We're going to the zoo, we're going to the zoo, we're so excited, we just love being at the zoo. And then after a few hours at the zoo, they get so exhausted that they're having a temper tantrum 
because they're so exhausted. And it's the same experience, but um, they, they become worn out. And so it is with our lives. We enjoy things, and then we can become worn out. Just worn out physically, worn out mentally, worn out emotionally, whatever it might be. So having a little perspective in what I'm working with is how to take life less seriously. Because it, to say to take, take um, yourself less seriously doesn't mean that you no longer strive for excellence. It doesn't mean that you no longer commit yourself wholeheartedly to whatever um, responsibilities and opportunities are given to you. Sometimes people try to take themselves less seriously by becoming apathetic. And the, the, the goal of all life experience is perfect eternal awareness of divine bliss which is a very high energy, very committed state of awareness. You don't come into that state of awareness by sort of, you know, just kind of leaning back and not giving yourself to life. So to take yourself less seriously does not diminish your ambition, or as I say, or your commitment, or your, your um, striving for excellence. Because striving for excellence is always based, eventually, when you begin to become sensitive to it, on practicing the art of self-mastery. Because the real obstacle to our excellence always is ourselves. Our anxieties, our inability to concentrate, um, our restlessness, uh, our laziness, our lack of energy, our lack of attunement so we don't get the right inspiration. All of these things are always about not not putting out enough energy. So striving for excellence, we gradually overcome the limitations of our own nature. And in overcoming the limitations of our own nature, we move closer and closer to Satchitananda. And in doing so, we fulfill the primary goal of life, which is to experience happiness and to diminish suffering. This is what everyone is seeking, because we know, if not consciously, we know it from a soul level that Satchitananda is who we are meant to be. And that means perfect, ever new joy. So we're always trying to tell the difference between um, that which is limited, between, ha- between what causes happiness and what causes suffering. And over the course of many lifetimes of experience, we gradually begin to have enough experience of wrong choices that the right choices we begin to understand when confronted What's, and by right, I mean that which is going to be happiness-producing. It's not right in some, you're damned if you, if you take it and you have salvation, if you don't, or whatever. Right means it diminishes suffering and increases happiness in a, a directional movement. But when we see our lives in context, and this is where, at least for me, reincarnation has just been such a liberating idea, because even though... I don't remember past lives, and actually, thank God that we don't. (laughs) They say it's the mercy of God that we don't. Just think how many memories and life experiences haunt us, even as it is. You know, we try to resolve childhood experiences, relationships with one set of parents, um, the the difficulties and challenges of adolescence, um, and then comes old age and the Sometimes the decline of the body or the decline of the mind. 
We have disappointments, we have betrayals, people die unexpectedly, or we, or we become very, very successful and we get everybody to praise us all the time. I mean, just think. I mean, this is just one lifetime. Just think if we were carrying the memories of all the lifetimes we've had, we'd just be literally overwhelmed, which is why, which is why God hides from us the details but what's so wonderful about it is that the essence is still there. The inclinations we have, the, the friendships that we've made, the way our relationships you know, have a certain life force to them, the memory is in there. It just doesn't have specific form. And it, if we can just see our whole life is just this flow, this, this flow, this, this river that's just rolling and we'll just go onto the sea. And right now, the scenery may be one thing or another, but just, just like if you're on a, a, a ship or a little boat, let's say, a little boat going down a river or a, a raft trip down a river, which I've done a few times in various parts of the world. I've had the pleasure of doing it. You just get on some small boat and you go down a river and you watch the water flow and you watch the different scenes on the bank and you point to the things that are really beautiful and there's a marvelous bird and there's a pattern in the water and look at that incredible rock and oh, there's a whale or a dolphin, you know, if you're in the ocean and you see things like that, it's so exciting. And, and then it passes because we're just on this moving boat on this stream of water. The more profoundly and deeply we can, we can be just a little above it. And again, this is the fine art of being totally committed and then also a little above it. It's exactly like being an actor on the stage. And of course, I, I've had a tiny bit of experience of acting on the stage, and it's a, it's a marvelous blend of, of knowing at all times that this is not really me and that I have another reality and when the performance is over, I'll go home. And in the moment, having no awareness of anything except the part you're playing. And you enter into the part completely, but if something happens, even small, it's like, oh yeah, but this is just, this is just a part I'm playing. My, my real home, my true self, is something else. And when we can begin to just see it that way, that we're just doing our best through this long you know, this long river journey of the drop of water, which is me, making its way back to the sea and passing through all these different zones and experiences, but always just on my way home. And, and this is a God-given journey that I'll do my best to do. A friend of mine, very impersonal man, wonderful spiritual man, I believe that this is what really happened, but I wasn't there, but this is it's either true or apocryphal. When he got married to a woman who was, has been a wonderful wife to him and was de- deeply devoted to him, and he to her, he said, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I want you to understand this. Supposedly he said that on their wedding night. He said, I consider marriage a job like any other. Now I intend to do a good job, he said. But I want you to understand. And he was a very spiritual man, and she's a very spiritual woman, and that's why they were in love with each other. And she understood it perfectly. This is our job, and we intend to do it well. But my true home is with God, always. So Swamiji says, 
If you want to enjoy life, take yourself less seriously. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.